Welcome to the Mom Enomics Podcast. I am your host, Booth Parker, mom, wife, and certified public accountant. I am passionate about all things home, family, and finance. This week in my personal finance class, we have been focusing on real estate, which makes me want to talk about real estate this week on the podcast as well. So the real estate market has been quite interesting the last few years. A lot of people have seen large increases in the value of investment real estate that they own. And many have sold to take advantage of those increases and make a big profit. But the downside of profit means taxes. So what if there was a way to avoid or defer those taxes? In comes the 1031 exchange, also called a like-kind exchange. You need to know about how this works before you sell so that you can plan it all out correctly. First and foremost, the 1031 exchange does not apply to your primary home, mainly because your primary residence has its own set of rules for taxes and gains, and we could talk about that on another episode, perhaps. The 1031 exchange applies to investment real estate or real property used in a business. And what I mean by the term real property here is referring to land with a permanent structure attached to it. It doesn't refer to, say, equipment or something you may use in your business. So what exactly is the 1031 exchange? In a nutshell, a 1031 exchange is a swap of one property for another that allows the capital gains taxes to be deferred. The properties must be like-kind, meaning they have a similar nature. But it doesn't mean they have to be the same size or type, though. There's a little more leeway here than you would probably think. So, for example, you could exchange an apartment building for a shopping center. And how exactly does the whole 1031 exchange work? Let's walk through an example using the apartment building for a shopping center that we just mentioned. So Sally owns an apartment building that rents apartments to tenants, and she no longer wants to be involved in this operation and instead wants to own a shopping center that rents to small business tenants. Sally wants to do a 1031 exchange, so she begins making her plan before she even lists the apartment building for sale. It is important to note that you have to do the steps of the 1031 exchange exactly right or it can be disallowed. In a perfect world, Sally would know someone with a shopping center that also wanted to get rid of it and get an apartment building and they would literally exchange or swap the properties. However, we all know the likelihood of that type of exchange is very slim. Therefore, delayed or three-party exchanges are much more common. Basically, what happens here is that Sally would sell the apartment building and the money from that sale would be held by a qualified intermediary that acts as a middleman. <clears throat> then the money that the middleman is holding would be used to buy the new shopping center. 
Sally cannot receive the money and hold it personally, or it would void the 1031 status of the exchange. That sounds pretty simple, but there are some very specific timing rules that must be followed. The first one is the 45-day rule. This states that within 45 days of selling the old property, in this case the apartment building, Sally must designate in writing to the middleman the replacement property. She can designate up to three replacement properties, but she must close on one of those. Then the second is the 180-day rule. This states that within 180 days of selling the old property, Sally's apartment building, that you must close on the new property, the shopping center. So if Sally sold her apartment building on April 1st, she would have to designate the replacement property by May 15th and close on the new shopping center no later than September 28th, which would be 180 days from the date of sale of the apartment building. If Sally sells the apartment building for more than the cost of the new shopping center, then that overage is subject to taxes. So generally people use the 1031 exchange to upgrade to more expensive properties, but in the case that they do go to a less expensive property, then there will be some tax involved. And there can also be some tax implications if there is a loan on the properties and a decrease in the total loan amount occurs from the old property to the new. That gets more complicated, so we are not going to dive all into the weeds of that here. So continuing with Sally's example, let's examine how the deferment of the capital gains tax works. Let's say Sally originally purchased her apartment building for $500,000. We are going to ignore depreciation in an effort to keep this example straightforward. When she decides to sell her apartment building, it is worth $750,000. So if she sold it in a standard transaction for $750,000, then she would have capital gains of $250,000 to pay tax on. Say the new shopping center she acquires in the 1031 exchange has a purchase price of $750,000. Generally, Sally's basis, essentially her cost for tax purposes, in the shopping center would be the $750,000. However, in the 1031 exchange, her basis in the shopping center will be the $500,000, the original basis of the apartment building. And remember, we are ignoring depreciation, keeping this example nice and simple. And that is how the capital gains is deferred. Sally could continue doing 1031 exchanges or she could outright sell the shopping center. If she decided to outright sell the shopping center five years later and sold it for a million dollars, then her capital gains would be 500,000. The million dollar selling price less the $500,000 basis from the 1031 exchange, that original basis in the apartment building. Had she not bought the shopping center in the 1031 exchange and had the $750,000 basis, then her capital gains would be $250,000 
and she would have recognized capital gains of 250000 when she sold the apartment building as well. You may be asking, does this work with a vacation home? The short answer is no, not anymore. There are some technicalities still lingering, but generally speaking, that ship has sailed. However, if you have a home that is, say, an Airbnb and it generates income, then that would most likely qualify if it's set up as a business or an investment. It is important to note that a 1031 exchange doesn't eliminate tax, it just defers it until a later sale. However, if you are using 1031 exchanges as an estate planning tool, you can even get around that. So let's continue with Sally's example above. Sally had an apartment building with a cost basis of $500,000. She sells it for $750,000 in a 1031 exchange and acquires a shopping center for $750,000. She deferred $250,000 of capital gains in the exchange. Today, the shopping center is worth $1 million. So if she outright sold it, there would be the $500,000 of capital gains that we mentioned above. But if Sally dies today and her will leaves the shopping center to her son, Ben, then Ben will avoid the capital gains. How, you may ask? Because Ben will receive what is called a step-up in basis when he inherits the shopping center. That means Ben's basis will be the market value at the time of Sally's death, the $1 million. So if Ben then turned around and sold it for $1 million, then he would have no tax liability on the sale. How about that? Definitely some food for thought. So with the large increases in market values over the last few years, 1031 exchanges are becoming more of a mainstream topic so that people can defer capital gains or create an estate plan for their heirs around their appreciating real estate. So if you are considering doing a 1031 exchange, you want your middleman to be very qualified to handle the transaction. It would be a very bad day if the IRS decided to disallow your 1031 exchange because a small technicality was missed. I hope you have enjoyed the information in this podcast today. And remember, all information in this podcast is educational in nature and not considered financial advice.